This is episode 132 of the Creative Giant Show. This is going to be our ninth Q&A episode, so that means Angela is going to join me. We're going to have a fun time. Today, we're talking about decision fatigue, business growth problems, and how to manage multiple projects when you're already overwhelmed. Ready? Let's do this. Welcome to the Creative Giant Show, where we go behind the scenes about what it means to live a life full of creative and professional success. Creative giants are talented, renaissance souls with a compassion-fueled bias towards action. Now, here is your host, Charlie Gilkey. All righty. So are we ready to do this, Angela? Yes, I am ready. Let's do this. <laughs> wow, she was super ready on that. I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> okay, so let's jump right into it. What can I say? It's Portland. Spring is coming. It's actually sunny today, so there's my energy. Yeah, it's actually sunny today. And if you're hearing a little something in my voice, it's just because I'm getting back from an event where I've been um, doing a lot of workshops and I've been doing a lot of talking. So um, those vocal cords are a little bit, a little bit tired, um, but we're rolling anyways because you know the show has got to go on. Show goes on, and it seems kind of perfect that we're actually talking about managing multiple projects today and managing energy, especially given that you're, you're a little low energy today. Yeah, I'm a little bit lower energy. I mean, I got in last night at what, what time? Like midnight? Uh, It was almost midnight. It was almost midnight. So yeah, Um, not a normal sort of Charlie gets up early in the morning and, you know, all that kind of um, stuff. But that's, that's part of it. And I, I suppose so it wasn't a question or an answer, but I mean, that's one of those things you're thinking about when you're a writer who's a speaker, who's a facilitator and things like that. You end up sometimes on these weird schedules to where mm-hmm. you um, work all week and then you speak in the weekend and you work all week. And then you, it's sometimes can be really challenging to find those times and you have to be able to um, anticipate days that you're going to need to be able to take off. And sometimes I do that well, mm-hmm. sometimes we don't like, I mean... If I were a full speaker full time, we would just kind of know that maybe Tuesdays and Wednesdays are day and that would be like the weekend because, you know, yeah. your 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 schedule switches, right? But I'm in this doing both at the same time. And um so mm-hmm. yeah, it could be challenging at times. Yeah, absolutely. What I typically do though is um because I do so well with defaults and having a normal schedule, I'll just make sure that as much as possible during the during the in-between weeks, um, just to really um, up the self-care and mm-hmm. um, just assume that I'm not going to get as much done and, and don't overplan things. So that's kind of the winning thing there is like if you know you're not going to have um, that recovery time, like that straight weekend, just don't assume that it's going to be a normal, creative, and productive week because that's a road to folly and a bunch of disappointment. Yeah. For sure. For sure. All right. Well, I want to offer you props. You have a fairly gentle schedule today. So that's, that is good. Like looking out into the future and managing energy and doing some self-care. Yeah. And this week, actually, um, I was looking into that earlier this morning because I was like, Ooh, cause last week was really, um, really pretty full. Yeah. Um, all things considered. So it's just like, I've got a few meetings and then, uh, um, I've got the wayfinding class that I'm teaching Wednesday mm-hmm. and then a fly out Thursday night and then have the weekend thing. So yeah, it's going to be, um, there, there's going to be a lot going on this week, but I don't necessarily, when I looked at the schedule, I wasn't like, oh, there's too much. Yeah. It's just, that's just what it is. It's, we're sort of going into speaker season and going into teaching season and things mm-hmm. like that. So it's a, it's a different flow of energy. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so let's actually get to our Q&As today. Hey, that might have been useful for some. It was actually very useful. <laughs> it was a good reminder for me, too. Yeah. 
very good reminder. All right. So our first question today is uh, from our campfire group from Michelle. And she's just, um, she says she's struggling with decision fatigue right now and wants to know if you can offer any advice on how to reduce decision fatigue in all areas of her life. Yeah, so the easiest way to counter decision fatigue, and, and if you're not familiar with the concept, it's that um, you are in the mix of making either micro or just normal decisions, and you wear out, right? Um, and mm -hmm. deciding is some of the most cognitively taxing things that we can do, right? Mm -hmm. So um, that's where decision fatigue comes up. Right? So there are a few things one can do about this. Um, the first thing is realize is defaults save you so much, right? Because they just eliminate decisions that you have to make. Mm -hmm. And so if you know what you're going to be wearing, what you're going to be eating, if you get up at the same time, if you have a routine in the morning, um, if you have default times that you have um, meetings with people, if you have um, default answers to different things that come up, it just really saves a lot of that time because you've already made that decision in advance. Mm -hmm. And at a certain point, um, having a business or life strategy is creating a set of defaults for you of what you will and won't do. Um, and so that could be helpful. So a lot of times from the entrepreneurial perspective, if you're having a lot of decision fatigue, it might be because either you don't have a firm enough um, big like big strategy or operational strategy that's that's keeping you from having to make a lot of decisions. Mm. Um, the second thing I'll say about decision fatigue is try to have your bigger decisions happen um, when you have high energy, like normally during the beginning of the week or, um, you know, Angela, you know this, but mm -hmm. one thing is like, if I'm not traveling and speaking, Sunday is actually a pretty big decision day for me. Yeah. It's Sunday afternoon because I'm still fresh. I've got a bunch of energy. I'm recharged. You know, I can decide what's happening for the week before Monday starts happening to me and that type of thing. So really make sure that if you do have decisions like that, mm -hmm. or if you do know that you need to make decisions to front load them, um, at the beginning of the week or whenever you have the most energy. Mm -hmm. um, and it sounds really funny, but having like a decision list and keeping that decision list can save a lot of people, right? Because you're not always stuck in the doing and deciding and kind of what to do. So if you have any life or business decisions that you need to make, um, and you know, like right now is not the time that it has to be made, mm -hmm. then you could bump them for a meeting and then, and uh, bump them for a meeting with yourself. Mm-hmm. And in that case, I would really encourage people to um, get outside of their normal work environment. So maybe go to a coffee shop or maybe go on a drive, um, go go on a bike ride, go on a hike or something like that, just to get out of the office, get out of the um, of their house mm -hmm. and work through some of those. And so on that same point, um, going to places that have great vistas can be really, really good. Um, so on top of a mountain. Um, by the side of an ocean, um, different places like that can really, because I think it shifts our level of thinking. Mm -hmm. um, so just really schedule yourself a decision meeting. Take it seriously, because again, deciding is hard work, yeah. and it's some of the best work that you're going to do. Um, and always, 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 when you're doing this, have a pencil and paper mm -hmm. um, so that you can start capturing ideas. Because that's the other thing that happens when you start going into decision meeting or into a decision sort of um, scenario is um, a bunch of stuff will start falling out, little action items. I need to do this and do that. And you sort of get stuck between the deep work of deciding mm -hmm. and the sort of admin work of just remembering what needs to be done. Yeah. Um, I would say that the other thing that I would put on here is 
you know, I'm thinking about this because I taught the five whys yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times we don't understand that the things that are happening at the top level that make us redecide all the time can actually be solved by lower level conversation, or excuse me, by conversations where you go into a deeper level of why. So if um, you're having to um, have negotiations with clients and they're kind of hard to decide what to do, if you start asking, well, why am I doing that? It's probably because um, the service promise was really undefined. And if you go one level why under that, it might be because um, you hadn't sat down and thought about really what, whether there's a standard service or whether there's a common service that you can provide. And if you haven't, and if you ask why under that, it's probably because you haven't made the time to do so. And if you hadn't fallen under that, it's probably might be, um, you might kind of be in a service trap in the sense where you're just trying to do the work and you're just stuck mm-hmm. on doing the work. So you could kind of analyze, um, you know, the source of a lot of the decisions and then start asking, start walking through the five whys and we'll link up, um, in the show notes about this and just ask through the five whys of why am I having to make this decision a lot? Why yeah. it seems like every day it's a decision or seems like every week. And you'll always be in a business business of deciding. Mm-hmm. Um, you just don't want to be deciding the same things over and over and over again. Cause that's, that's what leads to decision fatigue. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Can I put one thing in there real quick? Mm-hmm. So I know this isn't one of our jams. It's a Q&A. But yeah, it could go I, either way. Yeah, I couldn't help but think about when you're talking about decision fatigue. You know, we think about it and we're kind of c- talking about it now in the context of business decisions and other bi- bigger decisions. But I just think about, too, about just how it cascades down, right? And we, you and I have talked about this so often when we don't get the chance to actually sit down and, for example, come up with our menu for the week or decide what meals we're going to have for the week, we can get to the end of the day and make some really bad decisions about what we're eating in the way of food because we haven't sat down and when we had the energy on Sunday, for example, spent 10 minutes coming up with the menu for the week. And so we make bad decisions about food. Or if you're also where I get sometimes um, and you're at the end of the day and just deciding what to eat seems like an enormous decision that you just don't even have the energy for. So, yeah, I just I I, a bit of a tangent, but it just kind of makes me think about like how this applies to every single part of our lives. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, Angela knows this, but like one of the most frustrating things for me is at the end of the day, the whole what do we what do we want to eat thing. And like when it's like 90 minutes of trying to figure out what to eat, I'm like, I, it's just super, super frustrating, right? Yeah. And so, um, you know, we, we, we also have default go-to places like that we, that we go there. I think people, I mean, everyone does, but I think being intentional about like, hey, if we don't know what to eat and we're super hungry, like let's not spend two hours mm-hmm. figuring that out. Let's just go to Hub. Yeah. Right. Cause we're going to get something good there and we're both going to like it. Like it doesn't have to be a huge thing. Yeah. Um, so that's Hopworks Urban Brewery here in, Fort- <laughs> here in Portland. It's a great place to eat. Um, but yeah. So just having defaults like that, like if this scenario happens, i.e., we don't have food options and we're both mm-hmm. starving and we're about to go into that loop, then, <laughs> you know, go there because um, ain't nobody got time for yeah. 90 minutes at the end of the day when you're tired no um of and then you're frustrated and it's a terrible experience and yeah yeah Yeah. absolutely yeah all right that's a great question michelle um thanks for for that question and great answer charlie 
Okay, so our next question um, is also coming from the campfire, and this is from Shanna. She wants to know if you can offer suggestions on how to handle business growth problems. Yeah. That's, that's a big one. She asked specifically because she's grappling with deciding between scaling or pivoting in her business. Okay, so pivoting, if you're not in the entrepreneurial world, is when you take your business and you take it a different direction. Sometimes you can pivot pretty strongly. Other times it can be a slight pivot from what you're doing. So that's that's what we mean by pivot there. Um, so... Again, I think the first place that we have to start is when you're having a growth challenge like this, you have to take a step back and say, okay, where do I want to be in three to five years? And how does this particular scenario get me there or prevent me from getting there? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And part of that, and this is a question I don't think enough entrepreneurs and business leaders ask enough, is uh, is when are we at a good sufficiency point? When, when are we at a point to where we're growing and we're doing the things we want to do, but we don't need to try to hockey stick it and 2X or 3X? And why do we want to 2X and 3X it? Because, you know, growth for growth's sake is, especially for bootstrapped entrepreneurs, is, can really just be a, a bridge to misery mm-hmm. um, because you're, you're never there. You can never sat, you're never satisfied and you got to grow and grow and grow and grow. And so the first thing that people, when they start talking to me about, well, I want to scale my business because, you know, I work a lot of, with clients about this, right? Yeah. Well, I want to scale and I want to grow and I want to, you know, whatever X they want to apply before that number. The first question I'll start with is say, why? Mm-hmm. Why does that matter? Um, because the reality is um, for a lot of businesses, this is not so true for product-based businesses, for service-centric businesses, if you grow to two, three, four, five mil, um, the quality of life of the founder doesn't change that much, right? Because you're having to pay people, you're having to like, you know, you, you, so on and so forth. And so your income doesn't necessarily 10x when your revenue 10xs. Mm-hmm. Um, your quality of life may or may not increase with that as well. And so I really want to start from that perspective of what does scaling allow you to do mm-hmm. that really matters for your business, that matters for your team, mm-hmm. um, that matters for you and your family, and that matters for your business ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And if we can't really answer those questions, we might need to go back to the drawing board and, yeah. and really get clear about the why, because the effort involved in scaling can be um, quite challenging. Um, whether it's a little bit of scaling where you're just going from one person to three person or to three people, or whether you're trying to go from six people to twenty five, yeah. right? That's a lot of different maneuvers that you're going to have to make to make that happen. So you really got to be clear about why. Um, that would be the first place that I would start. Mm-hmm. Um, the five whys that I just mentioned is another place to start when you're dealing with growth challenges. Why is this particular scenario um, challenging? Is it that I'm stuck on the service trap, right? Is it that I'm in the sort of product track? There are two different things, right? So the service trap is when um, you got a service business. And I hate to say it's on trap, but it's more like the service cycle. Let's mm-hmm. say it's service cycle, right? Um, where you have clients and you need revenue, so you sell your time to get the to to get the revenue that you need. Mm-hmm. Um, but to um, then you have to deliver against that revenue. But then because you need revenue, you got to sell, and so you're in the cycle where um, you're um, always sort of in the place where you're doing service, and that service may or may not be what you want to do. It may or not, may not be um, the the places where your business can grow the most. Uh, this is especially true when you're starting to think about well selling products, maybe having courses, doing events. You can kind of stuck on the service cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the product cycle is very similar in the sense that um, if you don't have a sufficient audience or, or, or channel that you're moving your product through, um, it's hard to develop the product. But mm-hmm. if you don't develop the product, it's hard to get the revenue. But if you don't have the revenue, it's hard to get the, spend the time to get the channel, right? And so you get stuck in that product cycle as well, right? Yeah. And so um, you really have to think through what, what has you on the cycle that you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, the third sort of cycle that I mentioned here, Starting to sound like a book. Write it down. (laughs) Now, the third cycle um, that we really have to look for is people who have a side hustle Mm -hmm. and they've got a full-time thing, right? You get stuck um, in an equilibrium to where your full-time thing takes a certain amount of time, energy, and attention, and that's what pays the bills, and that's what keeps you alive and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the side hustle is there, and it's taking whatever extra bandwidth that you have. Well, Mm -hmm. you reach this, this inflection point to where you can't grow your side thing anymore. Yeah. Because of your full time thing, yeah. But the side thing isn't providing the income or the resources or whatever it needs to provide for you to quit the full time thing, and you get stuck, mm-hmm. right? And so you're kind of in that equilibrium. So it's not so much a cycle, but it's just more that that stasis point in there. And so, um, you know, not necessarily tangent, not necessarily related to Shannon's question about scaling, but I did want to put that 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 um, side hustle, main hustle um, equilibrium can be rather frustrating, yeah. right? Um, so again, you ask when you're having these growth challenges, one, really, what's the why? Mm-hmm. Why do I want to scale? Why do I want to pivot? Why? What, what difference is that going to make? Mm-hmm. Um, the quick thing that I'll say here is in almost every case, eliminating something that you're doing is the best route forward, whether you're scaling or pivoting. Mm, right. Okay. So it's not addition, it's actually elimination. Yeah. And so that could be eliminating um, a segment of your market that you've been serving. Mm-hmm. It could be eliminating service or program services or products that you've been providing mm-hmm. um, that are no longer resonant with your business your business direction. Um, it could be um, eliminating different aspects of your work that are important, right? Um, and so, for instance, in in our brand, it might be I wouldn't I don't know that I would do that, but we've talked about it. it's like, hey, do we need to just stop talking about productivity and planning? Like, should we move on to something else? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and taking that major theme of your business and just stop doing it. Um, Mm -hmm. So um, I'll say that. And the last thing on this one is that anticipate that you're going to have a significant um, pivot, rebrand, you know, area focus about every five to seven years. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, It's going to come up because that's about the amount of time where you've done the thing long enough. You've gotten what it is. Your market has shifted. Like all sorts of things happen in the amount of time. So I just want to make that space for people mm-hmm. so that um, if they start getting to that mark and they're like, oh, I've done it wrong. Like I should have figured this out. Nope. You've just grown into this new position. And it may be time to um, downscale some things you've done in the past. Mm-hmm. It might be time to integrate new things in there. Um, it might be time to just stop doing the old things completely. And again, I can't give a one size, you know, if it's all sort of answer for here, but just yeah. um, besides start by elimination mm-hmm. rather than an addition and see what happens for there. If you're having business growth and sort of scaling, pivoting, you know, rebranding problems. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay. Uh, last question for now. Um, this one's a little bit long, but I think the context is is kind of important. So this one comes from the campfire as well from Nadja. She says, I'd like to hear some best practices around managing many multiple projects. 
Professionally, I'm already managing my job for a large multinational company. It spans multiple portfolios with multiple products under each. In a personal capacity, I'm setting up an NGO and have projects and programs in the works that, like my day job, have timelines and deadlines. She's also a single mom and a human being with self-care needs. Um, She's now been asked to take on some more functions uh, within her company, and it's going to require educating herself on an area that she has no knowledge of. It's going to take lots of time and effort. Saying no to any of these tasks and roles are right now not viable. I know it's completely unsustainable, but it is what it is for now, and I have to deal with it. So how do I handle doing more than I can handle? Specifically from a time management perspective, there's too much to do, and I simply don't know what system to use to keep track of it all. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) It's a lot. Yeah. I'm familiar with that scenario. Yeah. Yeah, we are. (laughs) So the first thing is to start with the triage, right? Mm -hmm. Of one of these things are absolutely essential. Mm -hmm. And I know she said, you know, any one of them is not viable, but it might be at that place to where like the projects that she started, especially like the NGO, Mm -hmm. she has the most autonomy over what that looks like. Mm. And so she may be able to stretch out that timeline. So, you mean in, in a normal period, she might be able to get something done in a month Mm -hmm. while she's doing everything. This, she might have to say, you know what, that's just going to be a quarter that that's going to work on. And so as a general rule, um, in scenarios like this up level, the time scale of the things involved, like when you're super, when you're super, um, compressed like this so if you again you think you can get it done in a week mm-hmm. um when you've got all this sort of influx of stuff going on you might need to say actually that needs to be my goal for the month yeah right or if you think you can get it done in a month but you're going through a lot of constraint you might actually i need to stretch that out over the quarter because it all comes down to the amount of focus blocks that you have right mm-hmm. um and focus blocks um in case you haven't heard me talk about them i used to call them creative blocks but um, we're starting to use focus blocks more but they're 90 to 120 minute blocks of time where you can focus on getting stuff done. Mm-hmm. Um, as a general rule, um, if you can, for most people, I should say it this way, for most people, if you can't do the thing, if there's spoken word music in the background mm-hmm. um, or, you know, any, any music that has words, it's probably something that's a focus block, right? Mm-hmm. Just because you can't concentrate and can't get it done. Mm-hmm. Um well, you have a certain amount of focus blocks per week. Mm-hmm. And if you got five projects, all of those five projects are pulling from that same well. Yeah. Um, and so if you have, you know, um, you're just not going to make that much progress on them. Because if you had one project, mm-hmm. that one project would pull against that same amount of focus blocks and you get forward faster. Mm-hmm. Right. But when you have so many, you're just going to not be able to spend that much time on them. Not only that, you're going to have the seepage of switching projects a lot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so that's a huge cost when we look at um, getting stuff done. Again, not trying to say she should like drop anything, but the reality is she doesn't have the amount of focus blocks to get done what she needs to get done. Mm-hmm. And so it's really triaging, deferring, um, deconflicting some of those. And, you know, it might be such that um, we've also talked about theming your day. It might be that one day she focuses on her NGO, mm-hmm. um, and that's where our focus blocks go for that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next day it's our other projects and she has to look at like, this is the day. And so she's pushing them all forward when she can't let any of them go. Yeah. Um, the other thing is to get to a place to where, um, you get to a point of acceptable mediocrity about some parts. 
mm-hmm. things. Like you're not going to be great at all things on all projects. Yeah. So what are you willing to just be merely okay hmm. at doing, right? So maybe you're merely okay at being prepped for meetings. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you're merely okay at email. Or maybe you're merely okay at cooking meals for this amount of time, mm-hmm. right? Or providing for your family if for this amount of time. And I think that's what we end up doing is we try to be or we try to be excellent at everything. Mm-hmm. But then we stack a new thing on top of that. Mm-hmm. Um but it's it's super challenging. You can't be excellent at everything all the time. Yeah. Um, and another thing that I'll say here, and we've had to talk about this, is we call them in-house deployments, yeah. right? Or I mean, we come up with different names. Like this is going to be a pulse season. And when I when we use that language, it's just because we're going through a season of high activity. Mm-hmm. Um, it is what it is. We don't have to make a big story out of it. We don't have a big fight about it. It's just part of this, right? And so during that time, we have different ways in which we might communicate what we need and don't need, right? So I might be like, Mm -hmm. I need to not do these things. Mm -hmm. Um, Or I'm going to, you know, what can we do? Because I'm going to need additional, say, like food or anything like that. And um, I may not be able to contribute to that. um, Mm -hmm. That scenario may not be very helpful during this time. Um, so what can we do? And it's obviously an in-house deployment because, well, um, we have experience with me being deployed, mm-hmm. right? And just the amount of support that it takes to do that. But we're just in-house. So what would it be if I were just working on the thing, um, you know, eating and going to bed or mm-hmm. working on the thing, eating and going to bed? Not sustainable. Not something we want to do long term. No. But sometimes it's what's required. Yeah. Right. And so I think part of that is the inner awareness of understanding what you can and can't do mm-hmm. and being okay with what you can and can't do. The second thing is then going to being able to communicate that with the people around you so that everyone's in the know. Because most of the time, unless they're your life partner, mm-hmm. the people at work don't under don't either know or understand the greater aspect of your life or like how this fits in with everything else in your life. Yeah. And so they just look at their one thing that they've given you and they're like, oh, this is totally doable for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is especially true for creative giants because the, this stuff work codes towards, towards us. And it's like, Oh, you can totally figure this out. Cause we have experience of, and they have experience of us figuring stuff out on the fly and doing really, really well. Mm-hmm. So we always get the, the new things that just need to be dropped on someone, but they don't see the rest of stuff that's or everything else that's been dropped on us too. Yeah. And that's what leads to this scenario. Um, I would say here that, um, and this is especially important for women, and so you might want to jump in on this one, mm-hmm. is you got to learn to say no more than you learn to say yes. Yeah. And there are different ways in which we do that in our careers, in our business, in our life. But you can't say yes to everything. And um, as a sociological observation here, women have tend to have a much harder time saying no. Yeah. Um, for different reasons. And so I think... That's something to be thinking about here is because at a certain point, Nadja, you got to say no to Mm -hmm. something Um, because saying no, saying yes to everything Mm -hmm. at a certain point means you're saying no to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm really glad that you bring that up, Charlie, because it is important and it's, you know, you mentioned that it's especially important for women and I would agree. I think it's important for everyone though that, you know, The more you say yes to without thinking about how it fits into your broader plan, your ethos, you know, how you want to show up in the world, 
the more you're saying no to the things that really truly matter to you. And there are times, I mean, you're, you're totally right. There are times where we have an in-house appointment and it does not look pretty, but there are certain things that just have to get done in a certain amount of time and we do the best we can. And it's incredibly important that when those times happen, where it kind of sounds like that might be happening for Nadja right now, that she actually has a set period of time in the very near future where she can look to that and say, that's my time. I've done all of this that I need to do, and then I get to take this break, or I get to celebrate, or I get to take care of myself in this way. And I think that that is just incredibly important. And if I would just offer one bit of advice, and I know this isn't going to be surprising coming from me, um, you know, with my whole focus on self-care and alignment and whatnot, it's that you continue to check in with yourself about saying yes to the things that are in alignment for you and understanding that no is not a dirty word. And it's it's okay to say no, but it's not okay to say no to your own self-care or to those things that are in your heart, the most important parts of you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what we're, you know, what I want to wrap up on this one is when we zoom up to like the 50,000 foot level of our life, mm-hmm. um, life is short, you know, yeah. life is really, really short. Live it well. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go ahead and wrap up there. So again, this is episode 132. If you'd like to ask any questions, if you'd like to get our attention and say, hey, you know, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. The easiest way to do that is to join the Creative Giant Campfire. You can find it by searching on Facebook. Um, it's a free group. We're hanging out in there. We take questions. We sort of um, drop some nuggets in there every once in a while. So it's a great place to come and join and see what all the other or what a lot of other Creative Giants are doing. So again, Creative Giant Campfire on Facebook. And, um, you know, you can join us and ask questions there. And until next time, stand tall. If you're digging the Creative Giant Show, I'd really appreciate it if you leave a rating or review on iTunes. If you're not familiar with how to do this, there's a walkthrough available on the podcast page on ProductiveFlourishing.com. Thanks. Thanks for listening to The Creative Giant Show. To find more tools and inspiration for creative giants, head on over to ProductiveFlourishing.com. Stand tall, creative giant.